Section 10 of Rights of Man by Thomas Paine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Rights of Man, Part the First, being an answer to Mr. Burke's attack on the French Revolution. Part 7 of 13. while dr franklin resided in france as minister from america during the war he had numerous proposals made to him by projectors of every country and of every kind who wished to go to the land that floweth with milk and honey america and among the rest there was one who offered himself to be king he introduced his proposal to the doctor by letter which is now in the hands of mr beaumarchais of paris stating first that as the americans had dismissed or sent away their king that they would want another secondly that himself was a norman thirdly that he was of a more ancient family than the dukes of normandy and of a more honorable descent his line having never been bastardized fourthly that there was already a precedent in england of kings coming out of normandy and on these grounds he rested his offer enjoining that the doctor would forward it to america but as the doctor neither did this nor yet sent him an answer the projector wrote a second letter in which he did not it is true threaten to go over and conquer america but only with great dignity proposed that if his offer was not accepted an acknowledgment of about thirty thousand pounds might be made to him for his generosity now as all arguments respecting succession must necessarily connect that succession with some beginning mr burke's arguments on this subject go to show that there is no english origin of kings and that they are descendants of the norman line in right of the conquest it may therefore be of service to his doctrine to make this story known and to inform him that in case of that natural extinction to which all mortality is subject kings may again be had from normandy on more reasonable terms than william the conqueror and consequently that the good people of england at the revolution of sixteen eighty eight might have done much better had such a generous norman as this known their wants and they had known his the chivalric character which mr burke so much admires is certainly much easier to make a bargain with than a hard-dealing dutchman but to return to the matters of the constitution the french constitution says there shall be no titles and of consequence all that class of equivocal generation in which some countries is called aristocracy and in others nobility is done away and the peer is exalted into the man titles are but nicknames and every nickname is a title the thing is perfectly harmless in itself but it marks a sort of foppery in the human character which degrades it it reduces man into the diminutive of man in things which are great and the counterfeit of women in things which are little it talks about its fine blue ribbon like a girl and shows its new garter like a child a certain writer of some antiquities says quote, when i was a child i thought as a child but when i became a man i put away childish things quote. it is properly from the elevated mind of france that the folly of titles has fallen it has outgrown the baby clothes of count and duke and breached itself into manhood france is not leveled it has exalted 
it has put down the dwarf to set up the man the punyism of a senseless word like duke count or earl has ceased to please even those who possessed them have disowned the gibberish and as they outgrew the rickets have despised the rattle the genuine mind of man thirsting for its native home society condemns the gugas that separate him from it titles are like circles drawn by the magician's wand to contract the sphere of man's felicity he lives immured within the bastille of a word and surveys at a distance the envied life of man is it then any wonder that titles should fall in france is it not a greater wonder that they should be kept up anywhere what are they what is their worth and what is their amount when we think or speak of a judge or a general we associate it with ideas of office and character we think of gravity in one and bravery in the other but when we use the word merely as a title no ideas associate with it through all the vocabulary of adam there is not such an animal as a duke or a count neither can we connect any certain ideas with the words whether they mean strength or weakness wisdom or folly a child or a man or the rider or the horse is all equivocal what respect then can be paid to that which describes nothing and which means nothing imagination has given figure and character to centaurs satyrs and down to all the fairy tribe but titles baffle even the powers of fancy and are a chimerical nondescript but this is not all if a whole country is disposed to hold them in contempt all their value is gone and none will own them it is common opinion only that makes them anything or nothing or worse than nothing there is no occasion to take titles away for they take themselves away when society concurs to ridicule them this species of imaginary consequence has visibly declined in every part of europe and it hastens to its exit as the world of reason continues to rise there was a time when the lowest class of nobility was more thought of than the highest is now and when a man in armor riding through christendom in quest of adventure was more stared at than a modern duke the world has seen this folly fall and it has fallen by being laughed at and the farce of titles will follow its fate the patriots of france have discovered in good time that rank and dignity in society must take a new ground the old one has fallen through it must now take the substantial ground of character instead of the chimerical ground of titles and they have brought their titles to the altar and made of them a burnt offering to reason if no mischief had annexed itself to the folly of titles they would not have been worth a serious or formal destruction such as the national assembly have decreed them and this makes it necessary to inquire farther into the nature and character of aristocracy that then which is called aristocracy in some countries and nobility in others arose out of the governments founded upon conquest it was originally a military order for the purpose of supporting military government for such were all governments founded in conquest and to keep up a succession of this order for the purpose for which it was established all the younger branches of those families were disinherited and the law of primogenitorship set up the nature and character of aristocracy shows itself to us in this law it is the law against every other law of nature and nature herself calls for its destruction establish family justice 
and aristocracy falls by the aristocratical law of primogenitorship in a family of six children five are exposed aristocracy never has more than one child the rest are begotten to be devoured they are thrown to the cannibal for prey and the natural parent prepares the unnatural repast as everything which is out of nature in man affects more or less the interests of society so does this all the children which the aristocracy disowns which are all except the eldest are in general cast like orphans on the parish to be provided for by the public but at a greater charge unnecessary offices and places in governments and courts are created at the expense of the public to maintain them with what kind of parental reflections can a father or mother contemplate their younger offspring by nature they are children and by marriage they are heirs but by aristocracy they are bastards and orphans they are the flesh and blood of their parents in the one line and nothing akin to them in the other to restore therefore parents to their children and children to their parents relations to each other and man to society and to exterminate the monster aristocracy root and branch the french constitution has destroyed the law of primogenitorship here then lies the monster and mr burke if he pleases may write its epitaph End of part 7 of 13